Would you take out your Bibles and turn to Philippians, the very beginning, first two verses of Philippians. Today I'm going to draw to a close our series on the book of Philippians. I've really enjoyed it. I'm with you. This is one of my favorite books in all of the Bible, this letter to the people of Philippi. Last week I was talking about some of the wonderful blessings that are ours because we are in Christ. We can call this one part two about the blessings of being in Christ. Two verses at the beginning and three at the end. This is the eternal, living, never-changing Word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn now to the ending of the book book of Philippians, the last three verses. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father, we want to glorify you. And the way to ultimately glorify you is to become more like Jesus. Lord, in this sermon and through your messenger, we want to see Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us make Jesus known this morning. We pray this in his name, Jesus. Amen. The title of this message is simply Saints. As you have noticed, Paul begins this letter and he ends this letter addressing the church at Philippi. But because this is God's eternal word, we know that the Holy Spirit through Paul is addressing you and me here today at Beacon Light. And here's how the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Philippi and how this morning he's addressing us at Beacon Light. Here is how he addresses us as saints. That's your identity. But notice that it's your identity in Christ. In Christ. What is a saint? I tell you just very simply, what a saint is, is a holy one. And in fact, if we were to open up the letter to the church of Colossae, you would see that Paul addresses that church also. 
And he says to the holy ones, to the saints, to the faithful brothers and sisters of the church of Colossae. When you turn to Colossians and you look at that very first word where Paul says to the saints, that's how it's worded here in this ESV, many other translations in in that letter to the Colossians translate that word saints as holy ones. Why do some English translations use the word holy ones? Why do others use the word saints? It's because they're the same thing. They come from the exact same Greek word. Hagioi. You can translate it either saints or holy ones. It's saying the same thing. And don't miss that. We're talking about your identity today in Christ. What is a holy one? It's somebody that has been set apart to God. Set apart from that which is common, the common culture, the common mankind. You're a set-apart people, a, a special people, a holy people set apart for God. You're holy. But holiness also has to do with your character, your nature. You are pure and blameless in Christ. You are holy. God has made you to be His holy people. He is restoring you and me. God is restoring you and me this morning to His image. In love and in holiness. God is love. And He's called us to be imitators of God, therefore, and live a life of love. That's what it says in Scripture. God is love. You're of God. You've been born of God. Now live a life of love. Because that's your character. But it also says that God is holy. And that's why the Bible says, why why it says it in the Old Testament, it says it in the New Testament. Thus it is written, I am holy, God says. Therefore, you be holy. You're born of God. You're children of God. Called to be holy. Holy. To be like Jesus. God is conforming us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. He loved us. He washed our feet. Then He went to the cross. He laid His life down for us. He loved us. And He says, as I have loved you, so you love one another. If you've been born of Christ, born of God, you will love. It's your character. It's your nature. But remember that Jesus Christ is also the Holy One of Israel. If you are born of Christ, born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, you will live a life of holiness because it's your character. It's your nature. Walk in love. Walk in holiness. Walk in the way of holiness. Without holiness, no one will see God. It's your identity now. Saint in Christ. If you're not in Christ this morning, you're still a sinner. You're lost in your sins. But if you are in Christ this morning, you are a saint. You are a holy one. You are different. 
In the movie series that has just come out called The Chosen, season one, episode one is all about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was filled with demons, seven, helpless in her possession by demons. She has an encounter with Jesus Christ, set free from the demons, set free from her sin, and she becomes a new person. In episode two, a Pharisee approaches Mary Magdalene and says, Mary, you're different. What happened to you? She says, I I can't explain it. All I can tell you is I was one way, but now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. Saint, it's your nature in Christ. You have a new nature in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in your body. The Spirit of Christ is in the temple of your body. You have become united with Christ. You are a partaker of the divine nature. That's not my words. That is Scripture. You were a sinner. Now you are a saint in Christ Jesus. On the authority of Scripture, I tell you that if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. For those of you this morning who have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been united with Jesus Christ, dynamically, truly united with Him in His death, in His burial, and His resurrection. You were crucified with Jesus, buried with Jesus. You were united with Him in His resurrection, and it says on the basis of this new resurrection life, walk in this newness of life. How can you continue in sin any longer? That's not my words. That's the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 6. You are different. You have a new nature. The Bible says this about your old nature. You were darkness. That was your nature. You didn't just do deeds of darkness, sin. You were darkness. You didn't just walk in darkness. You were darkness. It was your nature. But the Bible says in Ephesians that now you are light in the Lord. You're in the Lord now. You're alive with Him. A new creation. You are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of light. You must know who you are, saints. You've got to know who you are if you're going to battle victoriously against sin in this world, to have victory in this world. If you are struggling with sin and you go to an AA program, you will have these words taught you. It's a 10-step program. Step number one is to acknowledge that you are so-and-so. I am John. And I am an alcoholic. And you are going to have to say that for the rest of your life. Steps two through ten 
is dealing with how to cope with the first statement. I'm an alcoholic. That's my identity. Now, I'm not discrediting the benefits of AA today. Anything that brings people together that are struggling with sin and addictions and so forth, and they're, they're seeing that they're not alone and they're trying to wrestle with it, and they're looking to a higher power, there's merit there as they're trying to cope with that. There are Christians that are in AA programs. It's not to bash AA. But what I'm doing here this morning on the authority of Scripture is taking what AA says and going way beyond it. God hasn't called us to cope with sin, to mitigate sin. He has called us to be overcomers. This is what the Word of God says. I write to you, dear children, because you are strong and the Word of God is in you and you have overcome the evil one. That's what it says in the Bible. You have overcome the evil one. You have a new life. God gave it to you. That's why we call it grace. It's God's gift. What is that gift? He gave you eternal life that's in Christ Jesus. What is this eternal life? It's this new life, life to the full. But it's in Jesus. He didn't give you a thing called eternal life. He gave you Jesus. And Jesus is eternal life. And this is the verdict. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. But He gave you that life. He began a good work in you. That's what it started with the book of Philippians. God has begun a good work in us. What is that good work? Christ. Christ planted in your soul. But it's just a beginning. Wonderful, powerful, glorious beginning, but it is just a beginning. It goes on to say that he who began this good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You have Christ in you, but you're being conformed to his image. That's called sanctification. He's making you more holy. You're already holy in Christ, but He's making you more holy. You're already in Jesus Christ. Christ is in you. You're a Christ one. But He's making you more like Jesus until the day you see Him face to face. We call that sanctification. The process of being made holy. But I want to talk to you today. This is really important. Once you take hold of your identity, which was so crucial you got to know who you are in Christ. But I want to say this process of becoming holy, of sanctification, it is not a passive work. It's not that you just sit there and I just stand here and God does it all. It's not totally passive. You have your part to play. We're in the book of Philippians. It says there in chapter 2, verse 12, work, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because it is God who is at work in you, causing you to will and to act according to His purpose. You have to do your part. Prayerfully, humbly, with a dependence upon the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Humbly, 
going forward in this spirit-filled, spirit-led life, humbly depending on God and working out your salvation. Using your willpower and your discipline. You have to discipline yourself. This requires effort on your part and on my part. This isn't totally passive. Let me read 2 Peter to you. 2 Peter chapter 1. Listen carefully. This is what it says starting in verse number 4. You have become partakers of the divine nature. Listen to that again. This is your nature. You have become partakers of the divine nature. You have escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort. Did you hear that? Make every effort. You have your part to play. And so do I. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And virtue with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness. And steadfastness with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he or she is blind. Having forgotten that he or she was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. You have your part to play. Confirm your calling in your election. The question for you this morning that I want to pose to you is, do you want this? Do you even want that? You know, sin is really pleasurable. It really is. Whatever we wrestle against, we wrestle against it because it's pleasurable in all of its forms. We have a love-hate relationship with sin. Do you love sin more than you hate sin? Do you want this? This holiness, this becoming more like Jesus? If you are saying yes this morning, the Bible says, then okay. Don't be conformed then any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. What are you watching then? You want this holy life? You want to be more like Jesus? And if I do, what are you watching? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What do you listen to? What are you reading? What are the images that are constantly feeding your mind, impressing themselves deeply into the dimples of your mind? What is stimulating the lobes of your mind? What do you think about all day long? says here, Apostle Paul, finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true, 
Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Where do you see these things that are true and honorable, noble, right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy? Where do you find all that? Where are you supposed to look? Where do you think about such things? Well, of course, we have the Bible. We see in the Bible the Word of God for sure. Let it dwell in you richly because there you're going to find that which is true that which is noble, that which is right and pure and beautiful, lovely, excellent, virtuous, and praiseworthy. It's there. It's all in the Scripture for sure. Let it dwell in you richly. You're here this morning, Sunday. You're hearing a very challenging message right now. Is this word touching your mind right now? But when you leave here today, what do you do with the Word of God? Do you pray the Word? Do you read the Word every day? Do you read with your wife if you're married every day? Are you in any kind of small group? Do you meet with anybody else about the Word of God? Do you saturate your your eyes, yourself, your mind in the Word of God, looking to Jesus? And as you read this Word of God and saturate yourself in the Word of God and you see it and hear it and absorb it into your soul and into your mind, do you do what it says? Do you practice it? Philippians 4.9 says this, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So after the Apostle Paul tells you about all the things you should be thinking about, Then he says, that which you have learned from me and seen in me and heard from me and all those kind of things, do those things. Practice them. Now, Paul could have summed all that up by saying this, as he does in 1 Corinthians. He could have summed it all up by saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Practice these things. Practice them. You can't just be here. This is fantastic. Praise the Lord that you're even here. So much of that in the world that has confessed Christ as Lord and Savior, a year and a half later, still struggling to come back to worship. So grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful to be here. But this isn't it. When I was taking martial arts years ago, Taekwondo, Hapkido, I wanted to be an excellent martial arts student. I was taking classes three times a week, practicing on the side, had been training there for some time, and one day one of the black belts came to me. The instructor had been talking to this black belt. The black belt comes to me, he says, John, Mr. Young thinks you have a lot of potential, but the trouble is you don't practice enough. I'm going three nights a week and I'm practicing on other days. I started going four nights a week. And practicing more. And the more that I would watch Mr. Yang show us how the techniques work. And we watched his discipline. And we listened to his instruction and his correction. And as we practiced, 
moves and techniques over and over again, literally thousands and thousands of times. What we saw, what I saw, was over time, the techniques got faster and stronger and filled with balance. The muscles, after all that training and putting it into practice, watching the instructor, imitating him, listening to his instruction, and putting it into practice, our muscles became formed in such a way we didn't even have to think about what we were doing when it came to excellent techniques. Even elaborate, complex techniques They just flowed from the body without even having to think about it because they were so deeply embellished into the heart, into the mind, into our body. Physical training is of some value, the Apostle Paul says, but godliness, training in godliness has value for all things. The question for you this morning, though, is, do you want this? You do? Really? Love? Live a life of love and service? Of holiness? Do I want this? Do I want to be like Jesus, really? It's not just in the Bible. The Apostle Paul said, Whatsoever is true and noble and right and pure. Lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, admirable, virtuous. Do you like growing things? Do you like walking in trails in the woods? Enjoy it with God. Rejoice in these things. Take pleasure in having those walks with God as you grow things in your yard. Do do those things with the Lord. Look about the beauty of it and see what God has done. Do you like crafts and cooking? Do this in service to others. Take in the aroma. Rejoice that you even have a nose that can smell and taste buds that can taste. Thank you, Lord. I'm enjoying cooking with you here today. And when you read, guard your mind. Read stuff that makes you want to be more like Jesus. You read Les Miserables and you look at Jean Valjean. Makes you want to be a better person. You look at Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird and his defense of the helpless black man wrongly accused. You see Atticus Finch ready to lay his life down. Makes you want to be a better person. Do you watch things that make you want to be a better person? I was watching... One of the episodes of The Chosen the other day, and I mentioned my wife. It was a good, a good episode. My wife said, that makes me want to be a better person. I want to close this, I want to close this series in Philippians by talking about grace. Paul started off with, Saints. He ended with saints, but he also started with grace, and he ends it with grace. The last words are, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The gospel of God's grace. That's what this is. It's the gospel of God's grace. It's because of God's grace that you're in Christ now. 
It's because of God's grace that you have received fullness. It's because of Jesus Christ who is in you that you're receiving grace upon grace. That's what it says in Scripture. John chapter 1. You're receiving because you're in Christ. Blessing upon blessing. It's a gift that never stops giving. It says here in Philippians where we are. And God will meet all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He gives. And He gives. Not just materially. Not just a roof over your head and the clothing on your back and the food on your table. He meets the needs of your soul. And He meets the needs that you have in your walk to walk in righteousness and holiness. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He gives and He gives. He gives you everything, everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. The Holy Spirit is in you, filling you, equipping you, empowering you. Pray, brothers and sisters, pray. Stay humbly dependent on the Lord because God gives grace to the humble. Pray. And then I conclude with a big, big reflection on grace. We need to hear this right now. His grace is greater than all our sin. His grace. If you sin... Or if you're struggling in sin. If you feel trapped in sin today. There's no need this morning to default into this phrase. Well, I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace. No. On the authority of Scripture... I am saying this morning that this is what we can say about sin and about our identity in Christ. By the grace of God, I am a beloved child of God. I am alive in Christ. I am a saint. I am holy. And I am being made more holy. More like Jesus. Sometimes I falter. Sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I'm in a rut. Sometimes I sin. Sometimes I sin grievously. And it grieves me. And I cry out to God. I cry out to Jesus. And He helps me get back up. Because His mercy is new every morning. His grace is greater than all my sins. Great is His faithfulness. I am His true son. I am His true daughter. This is my identity. Day by day, I'm becoming more like Jesus. To God alone be the glory.